This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look to the top stories of the week and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, this is Dr. Ina Hennigan, a family practice physician on the front line here in Illinois. COVID-19, or coronavirus disease 19, is a lower respiratory illness with symptoms of fever, cough, and shortness of breath. There is no vaccine for prevention, and any purported remedies shared on social media should really be ignored. Stay safe and protect those around you by taking the following precautions. Wash your hands often with soap and water for a minimum of 20 seconds. Or use a hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth, and if you cough or sneeze, Do it into the inside of your elbow, not your hands. Avoid close contact with others, especially those who are sick, by maintaining a minimum distance of six feet apart for short periods of time only. Clean and disinfect the surfaces you frequently touch at least daily. Consult the CDC at cdc.gov and rely on trusted media resources such as the centersquare.com for information during this national health emergency. Remember, we're all in this together. Be well. This message brought to you by the Franklin News Foundation and this station. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. As of Thursday afternoon, statewide, there have been over 16,600 tests of coronavirus with 2,538 positive COVID-19 cases. Those numbers are expected to increase. 26 people with the virus have died in Illinois, mostly in the northern part of the state. Meanwhile, Governor J.B. Pritzker says it's possible he could extend his stay-at-home order if there's a surge in hospital stays because of an increased number of COVID-19 cases. Earlier in the week, the governor said he's basing his decision on whether to extend the April 7th end of his stay-at-home order on the data. I am concerned that we may have to extend that deadline. Um, uh, you know, we, we have to start to see some movement in the numbers in the right direction or at least a shaping of the curve that looks like we're, you know, we're, we're we're hitting, you know, a good spot in that curve. Pritzker didn't say what the good spot would be. Again, we haven't seen enough data yet to really know when we can bring the restrictions off. But again, watching every day and looking at the data every day. He said if he didn't make stay home orders, such steps and the surge of cases at hospitals would put the state over capacity by April 6th. As I've said, you deserve honesty and transparency on the gravity of our situation and the reasoning behind the aggressive measures like the stay-at-home order that I've put in place. Pritzker did announce Illinois will get 300 ventilators from the federal government in the days ahead. The state will also be ramping up testing with the Illinois National Guard operating the first drive through COVID-19 testing site in Chicago. For hospitals, Pritzker said his administration is working to bring offline hospitals and nearby hotels online to handle routine medical problems so current hospitals can handle any influx of COVID-19 cases. Illinoisans applied for unemployment benefits last week at a rate 10 times higher than the week before. The Department of Labor announced more than 114,000 new unemployment applications last week. There were less than 11,000 the week prior. The jump was to be expected because of the government-imposed shutdown of sectors of the Illinois economy not deemed essential as part of the fight to stop COVID-19 spreading across the state. Economics professor Alexander Bartnick of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign says the figures are unprecedented. This is like nationally like a 15 times increase in the number of unemployment credits. 
changes relative to recent to recent weeks. He says the massive jumps necessary for public health, but it's important how the country rebounds once the restrictions are lifted. So we need, you know, to some extent for the public health reasons to kind of we kind of almost intentionally want to shut the economy down somewhat. Most importantly, he says the key is going to be ensuring workers and employers reconnect once the restrictions are lifted. And part of the hope of these kind of policies is that we can have what, what economists call a really sharp V-shaped recovery once that 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 freeze can be relaxed, according to the public health authorities, that we can kind of get the economy back, you know, to where it was as much as possible. So many people applied for unemployment last week. that The state was forced to hire more workers to process claims and improve the website that crashed under the heavy load. The governor says an emergency declaration he's requested will allow for more access to assistance programs. This would give us resources like more unemployment benefits for those not currently eligible for state unemployment insurance, enhanced benefits for those seeking shelter, food, and emergency supplies, and financial assistance to our underinsured households. He also addressed stories of people having difficulties with the state website to file unemployment. We're going to get this right, and we're going to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to file for unemployment claims, and we have sped up the process for people to actually receive those claims as well. It's a mixed bag for Illinois business owners in the wellness arena, like gyms and some chiropractors, who've been deemed non-essential and shuttered by the governor as part of a larger effort to slow the spread of the COVID-19 virus in Illinois. Casey Acri, co-owned Summit Systems LLC in Mount Zion, he said the business offered to cancel contracts, but many clients are staying on for remote coaching services. And that was received, um, you know, pretty well by our clients. And I think they appreciated that that honesty and that openness about, you know, the the realistic um, times that we're in that that for a small business, we need to keep having income coming through to, to be able to take care of our families as well. It's a different story for Todd Austin, the maintenance chiropractor in Verdon. He said he and other maintenance chiropractors are at the mercy of the governor. We just have to go along with it, even though it means we're not here to serve our patients. And it means that we're basically doing without income. And um, some of us will survive this and some of us won't. And uh, so there will be some practices in Illinois that close down. I'm sure of that. Austin also owns rental property and waived rent for the month of April for his tenants. I have zero income coming in, um, and now I have zero rent coming in too. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a double whammy, I guess you'd say. The governor's stay home order goes through April seventh. It's also impacting various other businesses, including salons and tattoo parlors. Laura Kinzer, owner of Lolly's Hair Studio in Springfield, said she had been taking proper precautions to sanitize her studio before the governor's order took effect this weekend. Um, my son, he had the H1N1 when he, um, back in 2009. So I feel like we, we need to take the extra precautions now um, just to keep myself safe and healthy and my family. She expects a huge increase in appointments when the order is lifted and she can open back up. In the meantime, she remains frugal with discretionary spending. Matt Schultz is a tattoo artist in Rockford. He said they decided to shut down a week before the order came down out of an abundance of caution, knowing how quick a virus can spread. As to the expected clientele after the order is lifted. That by the time this is over and they show up again, 
you know, or they won't show up because they just spent all their money buying food, you know, so all their savings. So that's a big concern for us. Schultz said the downtime allows artists and their clientele to plan for their next tattoo session. People are doing competitions online. Artists are, everybody's quarantined now. So there's these competitions, you know, of course, we're home drawing stuff. Clients, you know, get a hold of me and say, hey, when this passes, you know, I still want to get this thing. So I'm doing drawings for them. Kinzer suggests clients of hair salons grow their hair out for a new look during the downtime. This is just a great opportunity for everybody to, you know, look back and um, see uh, what they've been doing with themselves and what they want to look like uh, in, the, in the future here as, as we all move forward together. Again, the governor's stay-home order goes through April 7th. A new report from the state government's forecasting group says determining the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in the state's tax revenues is virtually impossible right now, but says there could be a loss of more than $8 billion over several years. The governor said Tuesday, a previous estimates the amount of money the state expects to collect can be thrown out. There's no doubt that any estimates that were made even two months ago would be, um, you know, uh, not useful at this point. I don't think anybody expected where we would be today. Republican State Representative Mark Batnick said the path forward could include transferring money from special funds, something the state's done in the past during non-crisis years. Well, I I know we can't sweep the road fund because that is constitutionally not allowed anymore. Um, I'm I'm sure that that everybody's going to be looking under uh, under every couch cushion and in every purse, nook, and cranny uh, for dollars to get us through this. Batnick also said lawmakers could look at short-term budgeting, but he said the state also needs to change its ways. Uh, I think that 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 we're, we're recognizing that the way that we've been doing business here for several decades is not the way we should be doing business. We need to be planning. We need to be in front of things. So, so I actually see that there could be some good things that come out of this moving forward. He said he hopes to see a basic baseline budget to get the state through the expected economic downturn and economic reforms to keep small businesses in the state. The next budget starts July 1st. A credit rating agency is closely watching how the economic slowdown brought on by COVID-19 will affect state and local governments. Fitch Ratings head of U.S. Public Finance Arlene Bonner said the downturn is like none other. But we're looking at this total lockdown of activity as an economic shock, the likes of which we have not seen before in our lifetimes. And at the end of the day, the ultimate effect is going to depend upon the duration and the severity of the crisis. Eric Kim, head of the U.S. state governments for Fitch, said Illinois is in a tough spot before the crisis because of risks such as its lowest investment grade credit rating and high pension debt. Illinois, again, the lowest rated state at triple B with, with a stable outlook. Um, and that just inherently reflects more risk generally, right? Not necessarily to this particular crisis, but overall. So they are more vulnerable. The U.S. House Friday is expected to pass a $2.2 trillion COVID-19 aid package that will have $150 billion split among state and local governments. Kim said people need to understand federal funds will only likely cover increased spending to manage the outbreak. The aid that's dedicated here, the $150 billion, does not cover revenue losses. So in that sense, it doesn't address the kind of fundamental problem that state and local governments are likely to face. Illinois' share of the $150 billion could be $4.9 billion, according to the National Council of State Legislators. But a portion of that could go directly to Chicago. Short-term risk may take precedence over relatively stable long-term credit fundamentals, 
particularly for those issuers with weaker financial reserves and liquidity. Michael Rinaldi, head of U.S. local governments for Fitch, said the unfolding situation is far outside of a moderate recession scenario. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up, for Illinois Focus, commentary from Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. everyone, and welcome back to Illinois in Focus's Crosstalk segment. This is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. I am joined today by Dan McCaleb, executive editor of The Center Square. Dan, how are you? I'm hanging in there, Chris, sheltering at home, getting some work done. How about you? Uh, pretty much the highlight of my day is when I step out onto my driveway and uh, wave to my neighbors as they walk around the, the neighborhood. I think if uh, nothing else, this coronavirus outbreak is going to uh, and ultimately with some very, very, very athletic dogs um, and uh, people that are getting as much cardio as they possibly can. I, I've never seen as many people in my neighborhood as I'm seeing these days. And the weather has changed. It's been nice. I've been making a point to get out and um, walk in the neighborhood at least once a day. So um, uh, I, I agree with you there. That's good stuff. So we're for context, we are uh, recording our podcast on Thursday morning. Today is March 26th. The news around coronavirus in the United States and in Illinois is going to be changing. And um, we absolutely recommend that you stay with thecentersquare.com uh, just to follow the, the breaks in the, in the news. And we're going to speak to it in the context of the moment. Um, Dan, I don't know if our audience is aware of this, but uh, you not only live in Illinois, uh, but you actually oversee the center square nationally. And I think that, um, you know, that uh, we've said on a number of occasions, just as sort of a, a reminder to the audience here, that it's not the United States of America, but it's the United States of America, plural. There are 50 of them. Uh, one star uh, on the flag for each state, by the way, because um, I know your kids are out there not learning anything uh, at home right now. Um, Dan, what's going on nationally with uh, with the COVID response? What are you seeing? What are the differences? What are the similarities? Well, you get really you really have to feel for the residents of uh, uh, New York City, where that, that's the hotbed, uh, the epicenter of the coronavirus um, in the country right now. Um, of course, uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, if you watch any semblance of news, he's been going after the uh, Trump administration over its response. Um, in, in New York, California, those are to, seem to be the two um, big states here. Nationally, there's been more than a thousand deaths, but again, compare that to the uh, um, U.S. population. It's I, I think we did the numbers last week and it was less than one hundredth or one thousandth of a percent or something. I can't even wrap my mind around those numbers. The thing to remember, it's fluid. The numbers are going to still go up. Um, we're hearing that um, things could start to turn in about two to three weeks. You'll see uh, rises in total number of cases, rising in to total number of deaths. 
um, probably mostly daily for another two to three weeks. But then um, uh, hopefully by then we're on, we get to the other side of it. You know, uh, not to put you on a spot, but I mean, um, and, and, you know, our access to information, I mean, is, is, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, these are challenging times and trying to just get to the news right now is, is difficult. Although, you know, the reporters at the center square have done an absolutely masterful job. I mean, we've never had uh, higher productivity or, or um, uh, more republications of our work than, than what we're seeing right now. Uh, which governors do you think are doing, are doing well in managing this and which governors would you say, um, could use a little bit of work in their approach? Well, you know, it kind of depends on how strongly you feel about whether or not there's been an overreaction in the most restrictive states or an underreaction in the least um, restrictive states. I, I, I don't pretend to be an epidemiologist. I don't know what the right um, response is. I do think um, attacking the federal government uh, as everyone's going through this is not the way um, to handle it as, as the governor of New York and, and Illinois' governor, uh, J.B. Pritzker, uh, has want to do. Um, this is new for everybody. Um, do what you think is best uh, for your states and your state's residents, um, but but certainly don't, don't finger point at this point. I, I agree with the, you know, the, the overreaction of some governors, I think is, is sort of what's, what's struck me. And I mean, everybody wants the best for their, for their people. And, um, you know, like Rahm Emanuel once said, you know, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, Jay Inslee in Washington, a, a Democrat, um, you know, certainly he's under really under a tremendous amount of pressure because Seattle's just lit up right, right off the bat. Uh, Cuomo in New York, as you said, I mean, he's looking at numbers that nobody else is looking at. And um, I can understand, you know, sort of the reactivity. Some of the odd choices and decisions, though, were in places where the numbers are lower. I mean, you know, if you live in Illinois, you would you would be led to believe that we were like right there with California, New York and, and Washington State with regard to a percentage of the population that's dealing with this issue. That's not actually accurate. I mean, Michigan's a smaller state, and Michigan has more coronavirus cases that are that have been determined already. Um, you know, the shelter in place that was put out by Pennsylvania Governor uh, Wolf um, was really very interesting, and and some of the other things that went along with that, like shutting down the restrooms on the highways. You know, at a time oh, where truckers that you know, I mean, we're trying to get like supplies and keep the supply chain going right i mean for all these people that are out there they're buying toilet paper like uh you know they're gonna have to live in their unabomber sheds for the next 15 years i mean um you're driving that on some on some level and you could you could stop that anytime you want but um i think it's like the connective tissue of these decisions and and how some of the just some of the orders have just not made a lot of sense that's i think what I'm speaking saying. of speaking of Pennsylvania, yes, I'm sorry. Speaking of Pennsylvania, though, yeah, the, the, the closing the, the 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 bathrooms of the rest areas uh, on the highways, dumb. Uh, Pennsylvania also is uh, is a state that has state-run liquor stores. You can only oh, yeah. buy um, bottled alcohol at state-run liquor stores. He also shut those down. That's so, an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, so definitely, definitely over over the top reaction uh, by Governor Wolf in in Pennsylvania. I think in Illinois, I think the thing that's kind of bothered me would be, you know, just the the the, the panic mode 
uh, of this, you know, I mean, with regard to Governor J.B. Pritzker, I, I just haven't felt like he's been a calm hand at the wheel necessarily. I mean, calling for 90, 9 million respirators and it's like, well, hang on a second. We only have 12.7 million people in, in, you know, in the state at this point. Um, you know, when we pull and demand whatever it is that we're pulling and demanding, we're potentially taking it away from some other state that may need it more than we than we do. I think it's the, the what you know when I look at some of the action reaction, um, there really hasn't been a lot of thought about how bad our given situation is, and it just sounds to me like me me me. We got to deal with this. You know, our problems are bigger than the problems elsewhere. Uh, I just don't I don't get that. And then of course you know there's this question about What's the federal government's responsibility versus the state's responsibility uh, in a in a matter of emergency in a in a in a crisis of emergency? Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker's like, well, gee whiz, I got to go out into the market and buy this stuff. Well, my question would be, why don't you have some of this stuff? You know, I mean, why is our budget so so out of out of whack that we weren't ready for something like this? I mean. We talk about things like this. You know, we've we've conditioned the public to believe that this that the state is ready for whatever might come its way in the way that we spend. But we, yeah. we're not ready for this. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute. There's going to be a huge economic fallout to this. And Illinois is in the worst position among all 50 U.S. states uh, to, to, uh, to handle the economic ramifications zero money in its almost zero dollars in its rainy day fund eight billion dollars in unpaid bills before uh before this uh crisis um you know 140 billion dollars in uh uh unpaid pension obligations it's this yeah the illinois is going to get hit hit hard long term because of its lack of preparedness 12 years we've had 12 years of significant economic growth and we aren't able to set aside money for things like this. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem is that, you know, in the good times, Illinois didn't, didn't, uh, didn't make hay. Um, and as we're going through what clearly appears to be, you know, a, um, COVID-19 driven recession, uh, it's not good. I mean, you know, that, that this could be, this could be short term. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I would be in the camp of people, they would say that this economy would have the ability to come back to life. Um, I think in a better way than, than the financial bubble of 2008, um, better than the flash crash of, of, of 1999 into 2000. I think that will, oh, and certainly better than what happened in 2001 with the, you know, with the world trade center and the Pentagon, um, um, you know, terrorist attacks. Uh, But um, that said, Dan, you know, the jobs report came out and uh, the news there, at least in the short time, is it's it's not good. It's, in fact, I would say that it's it's the exact opposite of good. Yeah. Nationally, 3.3 million uh, Americans filed un- unemployment claims last week. Of course, we had to expect that. We knew that was coming as, bus- as uh, governments across the country were shutting businesses down. What are they going to do? They're going to have to lay off employees. Um, $3.3 million. That's not only uh, an all-time record for one-week uh, unemployment uh, filings. It is 
um, five times the previous uh, record. It's not a record you necessarily want to try to break. No, I, I, I would think that would be not a good record to break. For bad record. Um, uh, in Illinois, the, the number of claims filed uh, last week was 115,000. It's only going to continue to go up as as you know as these uh, stay-at-home orders stay in place. Yeah, I got to think that that 115 is is uh, that's just sticking a toe in the water there. I, I I would imagine that those numbers would go up and they would go up significantly from there. So just a little anecdote. I us you know um, and we're everybody's you know really on a sort of stay-at-home order here in Illinois, uh, but you can still go out and, and feed your family. So I went and I picked up some food from a, a local uh, restaurant and I've known the owner there for a long time. And, uh, you know, I was able to get into the, into the place, you know, and be there for a few moments and have a quick chat from six plus feet away. And I said, Hey, how's business? And he said, well, so we're doing about 30 to 40% of what we were doing uh, with the doors open. Um, uh, I'm like, well, how's your staffing? And he goes, you're looking at it. And it was, it was he and his, his family uh, that he basically had to let, you know, his, his folks go, he said, some of them were actually for their own health and, and, and sort of their own welfare were choosing to stay out. And uh, I found that to be kind of interesting. And, but, um, you know, he's, um, I think in, in my conversation with him, I think his overarching thought was this has been a wake up call for me and how I operate my business. Uh, it's gotten him closer to his business and understanding what it is that he needs to do to make it the best business uh, that it can be by making it a better business. So we're going to have to see what happens on the other side of this. Um, I think one of the biggest drawbacks, you know, of the the shelter in place order that's happening in Illinois and it's happening other places is that bis- some businesses are continuing to operate. Now, right down the street from him is a manufacturing facility that is fully operational. There's not a single person that has been told to stay out, okay? So we've picked some winners and we've picked some losers and we've certainly picked some people that would be, you know, in the restaurant business would be right in between. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next year of how businesses respond in the wake of this um, with regard to personnel and I think that some of the orders that governors have made with regard to how this is executed ultimately are going to hurt jobs in the SMB and maybe even in the publicly traded space because these businesses are not shuttered. They're operating with a very, very, very tight rein on expense right now. And the number one expense in the vast majority of business is people people let, let me let me first take this opportunity uh, uh you you referenced the, the the restaurant owner that you went went and visited my family has been doing that over the past couple of weeks too ordering uh either carry out or delivery um to home let's encourage um illinois residents across the state restaurants are hurting right now so whatever you can do to help them please do so um there are plenty of restaurants operating um, drive-through or delivery only. Uh, if you yep. can afford it, order a couple meals a week that way. Keep them keep them going strong. And also a shout out to those to the restaurant workers and uh, and the grocery store workers or whatever who are going to work every day while many of us stay at home. Heck yeah, um, that's right on. 
So they're they're keeping America going and keeping America healthy. Yeah. But but you're right in terms about the the longer this goes on, the harder it is, particularly for smaller small business owners, the harder it is going to be for them to re- recover. So we need to get to, to we need to see light at the end of the tunnel here. We need to get the on the other side of this. Hopefully, it's just a few more weeks, um, and we can get back to work. I'm with you on that. So I mean, as part of what's going on, you know, it's it's actually it's been the story of the week. Would be this this national stimulus. We're close at the at this point of discussion. We're close. Uh, I watched uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi speak about it this morning. It sounds like it's going to come in somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.2 trillion dollars, which, for perspective's sake, is oh gosh, Dan, what is it? Three times of what the TARP money was in 2000. Uh, I guess it would have been 2008, 2009, when we bailed out the banks and bailed out every, you know, virtually anybody that that was that asked. It's far. I, I don't have that figure from uh, 2008, 2009 in front of me, but it's 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 far much more money than that that we're talking about. Um, this 2.2 trillion um, dollars. So um, you know, it's a little early to start carving this up and, and treat this. You know, this um, this as we speak, this passed the Senate. It's now, and it passed unanimously, 96 zero. Bernie Sanders offered a little bit of dissent, but did not vote. I, I I believe is the way that that worked. He abstained. Is that correct? Did I? Am I on that or am I off on that? I don't. I don't know how to remember. I guess I it doesn't know. matter. I guess it doesn't matter. Past ninety six to zero, but um, if this goes through as as advertised, who's getting what, and how does that work? I mean, first for the national, and then what does it mean to the here in Illinois? So yeah, in the in the two point two trillion dollar um, uh, stimulus package, which the House is expected to vote on Friday, um, I think we all expect it to pass, as you said. And President Trump has already said he supported it, um, so he'll he'll sign it as soon as it gets delivered to him from the House. But includes uh, two hundred fifty billion dollars in direct payments to Americans, depending on um, your your income. That includes uh, twelve hundred dollars for every adult and five hundred dollars for every child under uh, uh, seventeen or younger. Um, so if you're a family of four um, and you're under the the in uh, the income threshold, that could mean a thirty four hundred dollar check is is coming your way. Now the payments start to phase out for individuals with win- with income uh, of seventy five thousand dollars or more, or couples or households of one hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, and then they're they they just decrease incrementally up until you, uh, you get to an individual who makes ninety nine thousand uh, dollars or a household that makes uh, earns one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars. Yeah. So one of the things that that's not to say like hey there's a catch on this, but hey there's a catch on this. If you're looking forward to get a getting a stimulus check, um, that's income. So that is taxable. So when you file your 2020 tax return. Um, unless the IRS is abolished between now and 2021, which I don't think that's going to happen. Um, whatever you get, you're going to have to account for that in your in your 2021 um, tax filing for the year 2020. Uh, on the business side, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting um, as part of the stimulus would be these uh, grants and loans 
or I should say, I believe that they're structured as loans for small businesses that qualify that become grants that are forgiven if, if small businesses meet certain criteria with regard to uh, hiring, or I'm sorry, not hiring individuals, but retaining individuals. Maybe there's some hiring clauses in there too. This, I mean, one of the challenges of, of working our way through this legislation to the finite detail simply is this is not like a one pager that the government <laughs> put together. You know, there's 400 plus pages uh, in this in this proposal. In fact, I think this one actually stretched and, and got closer to 700. Um, Democrat Speaker Nancy Pelosi's proposal, which included funding for public television, which I'm not exactly sure what that has to do with, you know, with what's going on, you know, here and and, and other things like carbon, uh, you know, carbon. Uh, emission taxes and or carbon emission standards and things like that again has nothing to do with this that document had 1400 pages in it yeah they're clearly trying to sneak some fluff in there it sounds like cooler heads have prevailed at least in the senate and like i said we're talking about this as as if this is going to happen um banking on the sanity i guess of uh of the house i wish us luck Right. Um, yeah. So for businesses, there's for smaller businesses, there's three hundred and fifty billion dollars uh, in guaranteed loans uh, based on uh, the criteria you spelled out, retaining um, employees, making sure you're still paying uh, your employees. And then for bigger, larger businesses, uh, uh, five hundred billion dollars in loans. As you said, this thing is so massive. Even the experts are still trying to figure out exactly what it means, who it affects, and what the rules are. Now, I know that the, that the center square is in the process of pulling that data out of uh, out of the legislation. And once this legislation passes, I'm sure you guys will put together a uh, a summary story of what's in there and what it means for you know the people that are reading it on the national level, and and we'll get down into the grit here in Illinois and in other states as well. Because one of the things that exists supposedly within this legislation is, you know, limits for states, but city and state funding have a push-pull relationship. So in Illinois, if um, if Illinois, let's just say that Illinois gets, a, I don't know, let's throw out a number, a billion well, I, dollars. I, I, I actually have that number. Okay, um, well let's let's throw it out because Chicago's amount would be deducted from the state's amount. Right. So 150 billion dollars total nationally will go to state and local um, governments. Illinois' share for that in total is uh, $4.91 um, billion. But as you mentioned, some of that's gonna go um, to the city of Chicago. Uh, the, the state cap is actually, of that $4.91 billion, the state cap is actually $2.7 billion. So um, if Illinois is eligible, if the state of Illinois is eligible for the full amount, uh, they'll get about um, $2.7 billion from the federal government. But keep in mind, Illinois has already got an $8 billion backlog in bills, not to mention the revenue crunch they're going to receive from um, from reduced income tax money and uh, reduced re uh, sales tax money, reduced gas tax money because of what's going on with all the restrictions in place. So uh, that $2.7 billion, Illinois, let's assume they get the full amount from uh, the federal government is, is really a drop in the bucket of, 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 of the, the, the financial mess that the state is in. I will tell you with just the, the uncertainty of what's going on, how in the world could the legislature, which we have not talked about very much in the last X number of weeks, um, 
I mean, literally. I mean, it's first of all, they've been home. They have not, but they have not done any any public business. The Illinois, you know, General Assembly has been MIA. Um, but how in the world could they possibly be pressing forward with a progressive income tax referendum at, at this point? I mean, given the financial state of the state, um, that would seem to be completely out of whack and 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 out of line with reality. Not to be hyperbolic here, but that that would be out and out criminal if they were to do that. As we've already said, uh, this coronavirus um, uh, uh, is it, the, the response to the coronavirus is killing or is hurting significantly small businesses right now. Small businesses are the ones that are gonna, would be crushed um, by this progressive tax. Uh, there's more than a hundred thousand. Uh, small businesses in the state that that file as if they were individuals who would um, see this high this high end rate of almost eight um, percent income tax on them, they're not going to be able to afford that. Particularly, if, if, if those businesses that come out of this uh, on the other side, they're going to get hit with they'd get hit with a second um, uh, punch to the face if if that if this were to happen. That would be a pretty lethal one two combo. Like old, like old, like old, dazzling Dan McCaleb from his boxing days at Erie Cathedral Prep. I wouldn't want to be standing next to that. Long time ago. Well, Dan, what's the good news? The good news is, as as, as we talked about up front, the weather's turned, and you you don't have to be cooped up in your your house twenty four seven. Go out, get some exercise, walk the dog. If you don't have a dog, you know, take your kids out, enjoy it. Yeah, unless you're unless you're clogging up the lakefront in Chicago, which which apparently sounds like uh, some people are, have wrecked that for everybody. That they they as of this morning they've supposedly shut the beaches. Here I am bringing negative in, but this is, <laughs> unfortunately is the truth. Basically said stay off the walkway on the, and stay off the beaches in Chicago uh, because there are just simply too many people that are out there trying to breathe fresh air. Uh, not enough uh, social distancing or or. Uh, I don't know what's the what's the other term that we're trying to use. Not necessarily social distancing, but uh, some other preventive distancing or some other I don't know phony baloney like that. Stay six feet away from people. All right, wash your damn hands. You know it's not that hard. It's not that hard. We can do this. And also no. know that there is an end. There will be an end to this. This is not going to go on forever. There will be an end to this. So Dan, I'll tell you what. Everything has an end, and the, the podcast has come to an end. Uh, for you and I, it's always nice to talk with you and, um, I'm sorry that we're, uh, you know, that we're, uh, all sequestered. It'd be nice to get together and raise a glass with you at some point soon, my friend. Sounds good. For Dan McCabe, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the crosstalk segment within the Illinois in focus podcast. Now over to Greg Bishop with a look at what the Center Square Illinois will be working on next week. We'll bring you the latest impacts from the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. And if there's light at the end of the tunnel as we get closer to the governor's deadline of April 7th to lift the stay-at-home order. We'll also find out how Illinois state lawmakers plan to craft a budget while they continue to cancel session dates amid the crisis. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.